The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I am Matt Straub, pitch hitting today for DJ Short. I am normally here earlier in the week, so I will ask you, Drew Silva, my co-host, why am I here today? Because you're you're our best option, man. You're oh. here all we got. <laughs> all we got. Well, which is it? Am I the best option or am I all we got? Where's DJ? I feel like DJ's got a Ripken-esque streak going on this thing. Yeah, he seems to, but uh, yeah, he and his wife welcomed a baby girl earlier this week. So congratulations go out to to his growing family. It's his second daughter. He's two for two on daughters. Um, <laughs> and this is the first standard episode of the podcast for me since June 20th. I uh, went on vacation following that show and then was at NBC Sports headquarters up there in Stamford, Connecticut last week for this mid-season classic video that we did looking back at the first half ahead to the second half. And we turned that into a podcast episode. Uh, so we kind of took off last week. So, yeah, I mean, it's good for me to be back. And, and DJ will return before the trade deadline so we can get into all the rumors and transactions that go on and discuss the the fantasy fallout of, of the moves that are made. There's not a ton to talk about on this week's show. So maybe it's good that DJ is out because, you know, it was the all-star break. but uh, let, let's hit on some all-star week takeaways here at the top. Yeah, I found, I don't know what your thoughts were. I, I found it to be a weird all-star game. Two home runs total. No one had a multi-hit game. Uh, no pitcher threw more than one inning. So it, there really wasn't a chance for anyone to put up crazy numbers uh, in any way. But with that said, Shane Bieber did strike out the side at his home field. So he got the MVP, Drew. It, it Kind of a continuation of what's been a pretty phenomenal run for him lately. His first nine games, he was you know, solid, serviceable, 381 ERA, 1.09 whip, 54 strikeouts in around 50 innings. His last 10 games, though, 3.16 ERA, 0.94 whip, and 87 strikeouts in 62 and two-thirds innings. And I have some strikeout numbers for you here, Drew. The only pitcher with more strikeouts during that span would be Max Scherzer. And the only pitchers with more strikeouts on the season than Shane Bieber's 141. The list is Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Chris Sale, Trevor Bauer, Matt Boyd, and Charlie Morton, and that's it. So to me, I, I don't know where you land on this, but it's kind of wild to think about, but Shane Bieber is basically a low-end fantasy ace at this point. Is that where we're at? Yeah, I mean, he was like a control specialist in the minors, didn't walk anyone, um, but I think he's using that to his advantage now in his you know second year, essentially, at the, at the MLB level, through 114 innings last year, but could be a 200-inning guy this year, and 
you know, he has the ability to throw strikes, but he also has the stuff to manipulate the corners and, and pitch outside of the zone and get swings and misses. And I mean, yeah, what a tremendous value in fantasy drafts this spring. I think everyone thought he was going to be pretty good, but I don't think people expected the strikeouts. He went 149th overall in the average Yahoo draft. And like you said, returning close to top tier value so far. I think that's what we call a league winner right there. Uh, he's a, yeah, 112 innings, 141 strikeouts. I mean, yeah, he, he's been a beast lately. And my favorite thing about the All-Star game was that it, it took less than three hours, which is really uh, inc- incredible when you're talking about trying to get 50 players, 50 plus players into a game. Um, and, and as a guy who has to write about the All-Star games most year, because I, I work our player news page on Tuesday nights, uh, it's nice when I'm not up until till midnight writing about an exhibition game. As the guy who was writing the Daily Dose that night for Wednesday morning, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, just I waited till midnight hit and I hit the publish button. <laughs> yeah, so we're happy all around. Um, it, I mean, Bieber, like you said, won the All-Star Game MVP award. And, you know, it's the All-Star Game MVP, so who really cares? But it seems like everyone on, on Twitter and many of the baseball writers who were there in Cleveland thought that it would go to Michael Brantley or Joey Gallo. Um, it's actually very rare for a pitcher to win it because they usually just throw an inning, maybe two. Uh, Mariano Rivera won the award in 2013, but that was his farewell season. So it was just kind of a nod to his his whole, whole career as probably the best closer of all time. Brantley drove in the first run of the game on Tuesday, an, an RBI double in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, got a number of uh, loud ovations throughout the night. Spent the first 10 years of his career playing there at Progressive Field in Cleveland, formerly Jacobs Field. Um, actually, a report, a report came out this week from Bob Nightingale of USA Today that the Indians didn't make a single offer to Brantley over the winter, which is pretty surprising considering their outfield situation looked like it was going to be problematic, and it has proven to be problematic out, outside of prospect <laughs> Oscar Mercado, uh, who's done very well since his promotion in mid-May. They've gotten the Indians have gotten a 315 on base percentage and 715 OPS from their left fielders this year. Yikes. Um, and and Brantley has batted 324 with a 383 OBP, 893 OPS in 84 games with the Astros, uh, who got him to a on a on a two year 32 million dollar deal this winter. So, I mean, a whole lot of different teams can feel regret about not reaching out to Brantley, especially at that price. But maybe the Indians most of all. Durability has been an issue for him. Um, he's only, and he's only reached 20 home runs once in his career, but the contact skills, the on-base ability, he's always been a great real-life player when healthy and had a lot of fantasy appeal back when he was racking up useful stolen base totals. Doesn't do as much of that running anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, average draft position on Yahoo this spring was 118th overall, so priced about right, uh, but he has outperformed that uh, with his high batting average, 12 home runs. 46 RBIs and 48 runs scored, really good counting stats, uh, batting third mostly, and a little bit of cleanup for a loaded Astros team. And I would expect that to keep going in the second half as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I actually thought that Joey Gallo was going to win the All-Star Game MVP. Um, Again, who cares? But we're we're, we're reaching for topics on this week's show. Um, It often does seem to go to a player who, like, gets in late into the game and hits an impactful home run. Uh, and, and Gallo went deep off Giants closer Will Smith in the bottom of the seventh inning. Smith has allowed just two home runs to left-handed hitters over the last three seasons. Uh, so that was an impressive thing for the left-handed hitting Gallo. It came off his bat with an exit velocity of 111.5 miles per hour. 
That's the hardest hit recorded in an All-Star game since StatCast became a thing back in 2015. Um, and then just looking at Gallo's first half from a fantasy perspective, he went 98th overall in the average Yahoo draft this spring, currently ranks 52nd among all hitters, a top 100 guy overall, uh, despite missing, missing most of June with an oblique strain. We knew he'd deliver a high home run total. You know, he had 41 home runs in 2017, 40 in 2018, and is already at 20 home runs through 61 games here in 2019. But uh, he's more of the complete package now, uh, thanks to a big rise in batting average, 275 right now, up from 206 last year. And then also the on-base percentage has taken an incredible leap, 417 currently, up from 312 last year. So he's um, made great strides with his plate approach. Still strikes out a ton, but he's making more contact, getting on base more. Um, he's also stolen four bases, has 49 runs scored in 61 games for a Rangers team that has been a lot more competitive than anyone probably expected. Um, Gallo's just really putting it all together at 25 years old. It would have been cool to see him participate in this year's home run derby. I mean, he's one of the game's premier smashers of the mm -hmm. baseball, crazy exit velocities and distance on his homers. But uh, he had to bow out because he had just turned from that oblique issue in late June. He did tell Cody Bellinger that he's going to beat him in his own house at next year's home run derby <laughs> at Dodger Stadium. So uh, maybe that'll be something to look forward to if, if they're both healthy, which, you know, hopefully they are. Well, before we get to uh, one other performance from the home run derby, I just want to say, as far as Gal is concerned, I feel like we we have been robbed by that that time he missed with the oblique injury because I mean, not only the home runs he missed, but but all the strikeouts, Drew. Like he'd be tracking for like 250 strikeouts this season, just yes, spectacular too. stuff all around. But speaking of the home run derby, I mean, I was absolutely riveted during it. Um, I think a lot of people were. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., as you may have heard, hit a, a quiet 91 home runs. Uh, in that one. I think he pulled every single one of them, by the way, didn't he? Shout out to Ronald Acuna Jr. for the effortless opposite field power. But, uh, you know, as far as fantasy goes, it obviously hasn't totally clicked in for Vlad Jr. 249 average, eight home runs, 25 RBIs in 61 games. He has a 741 OPS. That's not what anyone was expecting based on where they drafted him and only has one home run in his last 28 games. I mean, I don't know where you land, Drew. To me, I think maybe you have to hope that, that that home run derby performance will be a springboard for him. He did have a stretch already where he hit seven home runs in 20 games from late May to early June. So, I mean, is it crazy to think that we look up a couple months from now and he's got 25 bombs? I mean, he did ex expend a lot of energy by hitting 91 home runs in yes. that derby. I was kind of worried about that. But, I mean, you brought up Ronald Acuna Jr. We're kind of spoiled by guys, young guys like that in their 20s who come up and become superstars right away. It doesn't usually happen like that. You know, in baseball, it takes some time. And I, I think Vlad's going to have a really, really, really good second half. Yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, if I had to take the over or under on 25 homers, I think I'm taking the over at this point. Yeah, um, I agree with you. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, to the extent that there's a chance to buy low, it's probably hard to buy low. You know, his, his count, his numbers aren't there during the regular season, but the 91 uh, Homer performance has people probably thinking big uh, for the second half of the season. Yeah. He was drafted too high in fantasy leagues this year. I didn't, I play in 11 leagues and didn't get a single share of him just because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend a, a 40th, you know, overall pick on a, on a 20 year old, or I guess he was 19 this spring. Um, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me, especially with the Blue Jays manipulating his, his service time in the beginning there. So you're going to be robbed of a couple weeks. I think it, 
turned out to be actually close to five weeks. So I, I thought his fantasy average draft position was a little inflated. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, as I said, it's you know a relatively light week in terms of, of fantasy relevant baseball news because of the all-star break but wanted to check in here on the Phillies Jake Arietta. Uh, he revealed after his final start of the first half that he has a bone spur in his right elbow which is eventually going to require surgery there was talk that he might just go under the knife right now but that would cause him to miss the remainder of the season and he wants to try pitching through it first um, he's currently lined up to start Sunday against the Nationals that's not set in stone quite yet, but it remains the plan for now, uh, according to Phillies manager Gabe Kapler, who was on a morning show in, in Philadelphia on Wednesday. Arietta had a meeting with Phillies doctors earlier this week. We don't know exactly what they told him yet, but uh, that should come out on Friday. So keep it locked on the Roto World Player News page, as always. Um, the bone spur mostly affects Arietta's ability to throw his curveball. Um, and he has struggled mightily over his last three starts, a 7.71 ERA during that stretch. ERA for the year is up to 4.67. He had a good first couple of months uh, and was especially effective in late March and, and April, so like the first four to five weeks of the season. Told reporters at spring training that a knee injury was to blame for his second half fade last year. And it was starting to look like he might actually prove to be a, a really good draft day value in the early going, 55th starter off the board in, in the average Yahoo League, so you didn't have to pay much to get him. But at this point, I think you might just want to go ahead and drop him if you haven't already, um, even if he doesn't go under the knife. His strikeout rate is at an eight-year low, and he's probably going to continue to hurt your ERA and whip while, while attempting to pitch through this bone spur. Um, it's more bad news for the Phillies, who have dropped to third place in the National League East standings. Uh, the Nationals have moved into second place. They're red hot coming into the, the start of the second half. And the Braves are up six games on first place. Philadelphia would be the second NL wild card if, if the season ended today. I mean, I think we'll see better offensive numbers from guys like Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto in the second half. But that team's going to need to add some pitching at the trade deadline, rotation help and bullpen help. Uh, there are a ton of injuries all over the bullpen depth chart. Um, the good news is Aaron Nola has started to pitch like an ace, 0.61 ERA, 34 strikeouts over his last four starts, 29 innings. Um, so they're they're in okay shape as a team. I don't think they're as good as the Braves, and then the Nationals are clicking now. So the Phillies are are, are moving into desperation mode. I think uh, if they're going to make a deal, it, it might come like a week or two before the deadline, actually. Um, then if you're looking for a replacement for Arietta or just looking for a starter in general, uh, it appears that Brad Peacock is going to return to the Astros rotation Monday in Anaheim after missing about three weeks with discomfort in his right shoulder. Uh, he struck out four of the seven batters he faced in a rehab start Wednesday at AA. Has a 4.13 ERA, 1.15 whip, 89 strikeouts, and 85 innings this year with Houston. Pretty useful numbers in fantasy. O ownership down to 50% on Yahoo. It's even lower on some other sites, so he's out there. Um, in, in some leagues, Framber Valdez is back with the Astros too after a two-week stay in the minor leagues. He's pitching Thursday night against the Rangers. Gets the Angels next week. Uh, his ERA was elevated by two rough starts towards the end of June, which prompted his demotion to the minors. But I like him a lot too. Um, good potential for wins on a loaded Astros team, and and I think the ER he's better than the ERA that he's shown so far. Had a few good starts towards the beginning of June. So I like those are two good options out there if you're looking for a, a starter to replace Arietta. 
Yeah, Arietta, by the way, is 64% owned now in Yahoo. That's down 10% in the last week. And I, I totally agree with you on the idea of dropping him because, you know, he, he's such a big name. The temptation is going to be there to put him in your lineup, but he's just flat out hurting fantasy owners right now. Speaking of other injury news, Corey Seager is set to be activated off the injured list after his hamstring injury. He's been out a month with that, and it's obviously been a bit of a tumultuous season for him uh, coming back from elbow and hip surgery. He started off slow, hitting 225 in his first 40 games, coming off those surgeries. Then he got hot in mid-May. He went on basically a month-long tear, hitting 354 with six home runs and 26 RBIs. Then he got hurt again. That was the hamstring injury. So he's been out the last month. You know, he's still just 25 years old, Drew, but he's 25 with a lot of miles on the car. Is this a guy you trust to stay healthy and put all this behind him, or are you flat out worried about him? You know, it's it's mostly freak injuries with him. Outside of the hip thing, which I guess is a concern, um, because sometimes those those linger and you just can't figure them out. And obviously for a baseball player, the hips are so important as a hitter and especially as a shortstop uh, defensively. But I mean, the elbow kind of lingered for a while between late 2017 and the early part of, of last season, but he underwent Tommy John surgery and position players usually make a fine recovery after um, they undergo Tommy John, they get back to hundred percent. They don't have an issue moving forward. So I think that's behind him now. Uh, and, and players are going to strain their hamstrings. It happens right. in, in every sport. So yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. Obviously it's, a bit concerning, but we're not talking about some complicated shoulder issue or deteriorating limit ligaments. Um, and when he's on the field, man, he's he's really consistent. Isn't ever going to hit for a ton of power, I think. But the Dodgers will bat him second from time to time. And if if you've got the guy batting second in that lineup, you're going to get a lot of runs scored. You're going to get RBIs, and you know he can usually hit for a good OPS. He'll get you some some home runs. And I, I think he's he's useful in fantasy. I think he was rated properly in drafts this spring which helps you know if you drafted him you, you don't feel so brokenhearted about him missing so much time right the white Sox claimed aj reed off waivers from the astros on monday and, and he'll be added to chicago's major league roster coming out of the all-star break reed was one of the top prospects in baseball three years ago put up amazing offensive numbers in the early part of his pro career in the astros minor league system uh, but Houston designated him for assignment on July 2nd, claimed by Chicago. Six days later, Reed's star and stock has really fallen. I mean, he's batted 153 with a 498 OPS and 150 career plate appearances at the major league level um, and had a 224 batting average and 798 OPS this year at AAA Round Rock. But there is still a lot of raw power in his bat. Um, I think it's easy to envision that a change of scenery could do him a lot of good. Um, had just kind of fallen out of favor with the Astros and was was not buried on their depth chart because they're so talented at the major league level and in the, in the upper minor league levels. Um, he'll probably platoon at DH for the White Sox, maybe play a bit of first base and could potentially grow into an everyday role, uh, especially if Jose Abreu gets traded later this month. I wouldn't be rushing out to pick up Reed in any kind of fantasy league, but he might be somebody to watch for in AL only formats mm -hmm. and like dynasty formats. He turned 26 years old in May, could possibly turn into a late bloomer post type guy. Wouldn't be the first player to suddenly figure it out at age 26, 27, um, and could maybe offer some fantasy value down the stretch this year. Though, again, I, I think you can leave him on the waiver wire for now.
And people have Drew. He's currently 0% owned in Yahoo leagues. So you can get it on the ground floor if you're playing in a super deep league or AL only. Speaking of which, and also in the AL Central, the Royals are calling up Bubba Starling. The number five overall pick in 2011 obviously has been a pretty massive bust. Uh, He is now set to get his first taste of the major leagues at age 26. Now, he's actually had a pretty decent year at AAA. He's hit 310 with seven home runs and nine steals for AAA Omaha. Uh, I believe an 806 OPS. I mean, as far you know, this feels a little bit similar to Reed. Is there a prayer, Drew, that Starling has fantasy relevance in a super deep mixed league, or maybe it's just AL only? I mean, it's hard to picture anything beyond that. Yeah, I mean, we really are reaching for topics this week, Matt. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a cool story that he's finally up, but I wouldn't really get excited. Good overall batting line at Omaha this year for Starling, but factoring in that AAA teams are, are now using the quote-unquote juiced MLB baseball. Right. He, he had a below-average 98 weighted runs created plus. So I think it, it's all a bit inflated. Uh, but I, I was looking back at that 2011 MLB draft and just the players that were drafted around him, the Royals just have to be kicking themselves. Garrett Cole went first overall. Trevor Bauer went third overall. Uh, Anthony Rendon went sixth right behind Starling. Uh, Francisco Francisco Lindor, eighth to the Indians. Javier Baez, ninth to the Cubs. George Springer was there in the top Stop 11. the fight. Stop the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will. <laughs> um, oh, dude, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. I know. Yeah, but... I mean, he was a huge prospect and he was from the Kansas City area. So people were really excited about him when when the Royals drafted him. But yeah, it just hasn't really worked out. He got non-tendered by them over the winter, re-signed on a minor league contract in December. I I think he will actually play a lot of center field because Billy Hamilton has been terrible, but definitely more of a wait-and-see guy in fantasy. And I I would lean towards just wait. Um, (laughs) And then uh, I wanted to get into Kyle Freeland of the Rockies. Um, He carried a a good deal of hype into this season, finished fourth in the NL Cy Young Award balloting last year, had 17 wins, a 2.85 ERA, 173 strikeouts, and 202 innings, all at age 25, a former first-round pick. Everybody expected there would be some regression. Um, He was going 182nd overall on Yahoo this spring, so not an early-round guy. But I don't think many people thought he would completely fall apart like he has. Um, he was demoted to the minors on May 31st after posting a 7.13 ERA through his first 12 starts this season with Colorado. Had a 9.31 ERA at Coors Field, uh, but also a 5.04 ERA on the road. So it's not all about the thin air in Denver. But he had made some changes at AAA Albuquerque um, since they demoted him. They told him to, to get away from his slider, throw more fastballs and change-ups. Um, and his most recent outing there was pretty encouraging. Struck out nine batters over seven innings of one-run ball. The Rockies lost their final six games before the All-Star break. Uh, they're seventh right now in the crowded NL wildcard standings with a record one game under 500. Uh, the division is out of reach with the Dodgers running away with it. So it's it's getting close to desperation time as they want to get back to the postseason. So I think they're going to, or actually, yeah, it came out on Thursday that they're going to turn back to Freeland, promote him to start Saturday at home against the Reds. But again, this is a wait and see type situation for me in fantasy. Uh, Freeland was awful out of the gate this year. Actually, he pitched well on opening day, but but otherwise he has not pitched well at all. Um, And if you take out that one promising recent start at the AAA level, that was last Monday, I believe. He has allowed 28 earned runs in 22 and two-third minor league innings. 
taking out those numbers uh, from last Monday. I think just never trust Coors Field pitchers, Matt. Right. Yeah, this seems like uh, another wait and see or actually just wait situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And speaking of which, uh, Herman Marquez has struggled recently as well. A guy who who sort of transcended the Coors Field factor last season had a 377 ERA and 230 strikeouts in his 196 innings last season. And he was pretty good to start the year this year, a 338 ERA in his first 11 starts. Lately, though, he has struggled with a 643 ERA since the start of June. I was looking at this, Drew, and one positive I can offer, if you want to spin this positively, Marquez was a second-half guy last season. As of June 24th, 2018, he had a 5.53 ERA. From that point onward, he had a 2.47 ERA with 146 strikeouts in 113 innings. Shane Bieber-esque numbers there. Also, during this recent run of seven starts where he struggled, he does have 42 strikeouts against just 11 walks in 42 innings. So, you know, some good signs there still while he's getting hit hard. And I think all things considered, I, I don't know that I'd be running out to try to acquire him in a trade at all costs, but I think he's a guy you think about buying low on if you're desperate for some pitching help and uh, yeah, and need yeah. to gamble. Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll probably get you strikeouts, but I, I just didn't buy into the hype so much this year because of the course field effect. I mean, it, it takes a really special pitcher to have a lot of success there. I mean, he's got a 315 batting average against at home, 833 OPS against at home, a 573 ERA against at home. Um, on the road, he's been fine, a 3.33 ERA, a lot more strikeouts. But I, I just, I don't know. He was, he was going like top 75 overall this year, and I just, I had a problem buying into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I like him as a pitcher. I, I would love it if, if they trade him somewhere else. Right. I mean, it's a nice idea, too, to to only start him when he's on the road. But that, you know, that obviously doesn't always work out and can be frustrating as a fantasy owner to try to do that. Yeah. And then um, wrapping up the show here, uh, this kind of flew under the radar in the final weekend before the All-Star break. But Jose Alvarado, uh, the Rays' current co-leader in saves, suffered a right oblique strain on Saturday and is expected to miss the next six to eight weeks. He was officially placed on the injured list Wednesday evening. Could be sidelined through late August, possibly even into September. Emilio Pagan gets a big boost in fantasy value uh, entering the second half of the season. He's been the best reliever in Tampa Bay all year. I don't know that people expected that, uh, but you look at the stats right now, 1.75 ERA, 0.83 whip, 47 to 9 strikeouts walk ratio in 36 innings, has six holds, five saves. I think he's going to see a lot more save opportunities moving forward with Alvarado now out of the picture for a extended period. And just Diego Castillo uh, still nursing a shoulder issue. Castillo did make a rehab appearance on Tuesday in the Gulf Coast League. It was scoreless. Could return to the Rays as early as Friday. It sounds like that is the plan. Um, but he had allowed 11 earned runs over his last 10 and a third innings before landing on the IL. And shoulder injuries often come with complications Pagan is available in 62% of Yahoo leagues as we record here on Thursday evening, 90% of ESPN leagues. So um, if you're playing in an ESPN league, I I don't know what people are doing, uh, but they're not. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's difficult with the Rays because they just like to use pitchers in in such different roles. I mean, Ryan Stanek is technically a reliever, but he's made 20 starts already this year as the opener and they don't necessarily have a set closer, but I think their depth chart has dwindled to the point where, um, they're going to have to use Pagan in that kind of role a lot more. Do you, you know, seeing Castillo, 
obviously the lingering injury concerns are there, but seeing that he's rostered in 28% of Yahoo leagues, is he a guy, if you're desperate for saves, you're going to add? Oh, absolutely. Yep. I mean, he, he is, has not pitched well over the last month or so leading up into the injury, uh, injured list placement, but, um, he's got amazing raw stuff and, and he got off to a great start this year and he had a really good year last year. So hopefully a little bit of rest will do him some good. And he could definitely be a guy that gets a lot of saves down the stretch. And, and if not, he'll be good for your strikeouts and, and ERA. It's good to own Rays relievers, I think. Um, even though they don't always they're not always reliable for saves, that's a really talented bullpen. It's just it's hard to mine actual saves from it, but there's a lot of value to be had in there. Right. It's just it seems like uh, more and more managers just legitimately do not care about our fantasy squads. It's yeah, it's disheartening. I, I, I run the closer report for our season pass, and it's it's like a an hourly thing that I have to update because <laughs> it's just it's confusing. But I mean, it's it's smart baseball strategy, and I think teams are just getting a lot smarter. But yeah, it becomes a lot harder for us as fantasy analysts and and people that play fantasy. <laughs> All right. Well, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Matt Straub. He is at Drew Silve, and please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. If you haven't taken a moment to do so, please rate and review the show as well. That's it for us. Drew, thanks, man. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.